You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine, enhancing the medical community's knowledge of science and biotechnology. Innovations in Medicine is sponsored by Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines. For more information about Amgen, visit www.amgen.com. Today we are talking about something that sounds a little bit like science fiction, rebuilding a failing heart. It's not bypass surgery or some other kind of fancy heart surgery, it's not transplantation, but an injection of genes that can sort of instruct a heart to heal itself. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. My guest is Dr. Walter Koch of Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. He's here to talk about what he's done to find genes related to heart failure and to use them to repair and rebuild failing hearts. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine. Thank you. So give us a little background on your area of study. What is your particular field? What we concentrate on here in the Center for Translational Medicine is heart failure. And so that is a condition where the heart as a pump just fails to pump enough blood to meet the metabolic or exercise demands of the body. And it's a very devastating disease. There's 5 million people in our country who have it, and a half a million people a year are diagnosed with it, and there's no cure. And severe heart failure has a prognosis worse than some of the most severe cancers. So it's a real problem. And we got into it mainly because we're interested in the molecular pathways that induce and sustain this disease, and also because the drugs, although have improved conditions, they're not a cure, and they aren't all that effective. So we took a molecular approach and started to really try to define proteins, enzymes, molecules involved that may be targets for drugs. Now, when we're talking about a muscle wearing out and unable to pump, you know, that's not like tying up a a broken blood vessel. That sounds like a complicated problem. How do the existing drugs work to alleviate that problem? There's two primary drugs that work. One are beta blockers, and the other are ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers. And these are basically blocking the actions of endogenous hormones or neurotransmitters that actually try to stimulate the heart. And what we found through our research is that the stimulation of the heart becomes maladaptive. And so, you know, the heart is weak. And so adrenaline, which is our fight or flight hormone that tries to stimulate the heart, that creates a negative situation where the heart's not going to respond anymore because the actual muscle cells are desensitized to the actions of these hormones. It's on these cardiac muscle cells that you focused your work? Correct. So, you know, the the classic scenario is that you have a heart attack and 20 to 30% of your heart cells in the left ventricle are dead. And so what happens is the rest of the muscle has to work harder to maintain some kind of normal function. And over time, those muscle cells get weak and that's a condition of heart failure. So our approach was to define genes and then because some of these molecules are not druggable at the moment, meaning we can't make a small molecule to do what we are doing with genes. So we've taken two approaches. We've, we've found an enzyme that's overactive in the failing heart, and we've used a gene to inhibit that enzyme. Our most recent work is dealing with this small protein called S100A1, which is a calcium 
sensor in the heart. And so heart muscle cells contract in concert with each other to form the contraction and squeezing of the blood. And calcium is the key. Calcium is what drives it. So calcium is very important. And a characteristic of a failing heart cell is that the normal homeostasis of calcium in these muscle cells is dysregulated. Okay. So does that mean your particular target was to focus on fixing this calcium problem and you fix the muscle cell? Well, yes. This particular molecule, S100A1, is very abundantly expressed in muscle cells. And studies a decade ago in human samples that were taken out during transplantation, so these are end-stage heart failure samples, showed that S100A1 is decreased. And so we've done studies throughout the years showing how this small peptide and protein is important, and the loss of it was our hypothesis was bad, and that if we give more to these muscle cells, we could correct some of the calcium defects, and those muscle cells would contract better. Now, this protein S100A1, was this known before? Did you identify it? The S100 is a family of proteins, and there's maybe 21 or 22 of them, and A1 happens we think, to be the primary muscle form. These proteins are in all cells, and they probably have cell-specific functions. The S100A1 appears to be the one that works in the heart and probably skeletal muscle as well. We've been characterizing its role in heart muscle cells for probably since the late 90s. You and your group in particular or researchers in general? Well, my group in particular, and we have a very strong relationship with a group in Heidelberg in Germany, and we do these studies together. Before we go too much further, we should probably say that this has not been used, in my understanding, in humans yet. Correct. What animal are you working in? We have done studies in both mice and rats. We're going up the chain as you speak and doing the large animal preclinical studies. So our goal is to get it into humans. What are the best results that you might anticipate? Or what are the best results you've had from animals so far? How much better does the heart get? So we get S100 into the heart using a virus. And so this is kind of the field of gene therapy uses either the common cold virus, adenovirus, or... More recently, these adeno-associated viruses, which are small viruses that are common to man, and some of them have been isolated from serum, but you can genetically manipulate these viruses so they're not infectious, but they still will infect cells. They just won't produce any pathology beyond that. And we put the S100 into this particular serotype or version of this virus, which basically lasts forever and as far as in a muscle cell. And we took a rat that was in severe heart failure, and we delivered this virus, which produces S100A1 only in the heart because we hooked the gene up to a cardiac muscle cell promoter, so it's not on in any other organ. This is getting complicated, and I want to, I want to make sure I understand it and the listeners, too. But before we do that, let me just remind our listeners that this is ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Dr. Walter Koch of Thomas Jefferson University about some very interesting work using viruses and gene therapy. The task here is to put these genes into every heart muscle cell or as many as you can get to, and the virus is a tool for doing that, short of taking out every cell and operating with tiny scalpel? And Correct. So, you know, the problem is that DNA, you can't 
ingest that or you can't even inject it. So you need a vehicle to transfer that material into a cell. As it quote-unquote infects the cells, it plugs this gene in. And produces more of this S100A1, and we basically took a rat that was in severe heart failure and rescued it. And by just doing that one thing for the next three months, that rat had uh, pretty normal heart function. So back to normal or close to normal? It was pretty close to normal. If we then isolate individual cells, which we can do in the laboratory, those individual cells had normal function. So we could restore normal function to a single cell. The problem is because the heart failure was induced by a myocardial infarction or a heart attack, the global heart function was not restored completely to normal because there's still a section of the heart that is dead. But it was remarkable because those cells are probably actually super normal. You talked about using a sort of genetic trick to make sure that you don't infect toenail cells or all kinds of other cells with S100A1 as well, and who knows what might happen there. So it was designed to infect only only the heart muscle cells. Correct. Give us a little bit of a timeline or just a very short sort of episodic thing toward getting to the first experiments in humans. So I've been working on trying to develop gene therapy strategies for heart failure for over a decade now, and there are several hurdles to get from the animal work to humans. The major one was these viruses and vectors. And so what we originally used was the common cold virus that had been manipulated so it wasn't infectious or disease-causing. But for some reason, our cells have a mechanism to turn that virus off. So the problem was if you had injected adenovirus with S100 into the heart, you would get a similar readout as, as far as rescuing heart failure as we've recently got with this new vector, but it would only last a week because the, the cell would turn it off. So that obviously is something that we couldn't use in humans to treat a chronic disease because you wouldn't want to be injecting these viruses weekly. So that hurdle was overcome by these adeno-associated viruses that have stable long-term expression. Another key was these new smaller viruses that are more stable and longer lasting do not cause our body to have any kind of immune reaction and try to destroy the cells that have these viruses in them. So that that is an advantage. So I think these vectors and these viruses that are, we're using now are ready for prime time. I know there are trials planned that are already at the FDA. So the trials will probably start in 08. We hopefully will get ours before the decade's over. Do you happen to know in what other field or what other genes are likely to be among the first trials? I think the first trials are going to be with a gene called Circa. And Circa is a calcium pump. And so, again, it, it affects this kind of same target we're affecting, the calcium homeostasis of a cardiac muscle cell. How many other groups are there working on these kinds of things with heart failure? There's probably four or five. It's not a huge push. I mean, the whole field of gene therapy took a hit of several years ago, and the kind of dinosaurs left. You know, everybody kind of jumped on the stem cell bandwagon. Are there other approaches that you're aware of to heart failure, new experimental approaches that, you know, would be sort of competing in some sense to do the most the soonest? Well, yes and no. I mean, I think from a totally innovative and novel perspective, these gene therapy strategies, the day is going to be exciting. I hope in humans we see what we see in animals. The other progress in heart failure is being made on the device side. So, you know, there's going to be another try at the artificial heart, smaller mechanical assist devices that will allow patients to be ambulatory 
with a battery pack and things like that. So the device end of heart failure therapy is also progressing. Who's gearing up for the next artificial heart treatment? Well, there's a trial already planned in several sites. It's a kind of a new derivation of the Jarvik heart that was used 20 years ago. It could be very exciting as well. I mean, you know, again, that field is driven by the drugs that we have just don't do a good enough job. Well, we wish you luck. We're about out of time. We've been talking about repairing heart failure with gene therapy. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Walter Koch of Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Koch. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. For comments and questions, send us your email. We're at xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Innovations in Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Innovations in Medicine is sponsored by Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines. <laughs>